Good morning, church. Welcome to Crossroads Ministries. For those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're in the auditorium with us here this morning or you're still in the lobby, uh, please stand up and let's start worshiping.
praise this morning. Amen.
Good to be with you here in the building. Welcome to Crossroads. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we have a lot to celebrate, don't we? We celebrate the risen Savior every single day. Amen. 
So it's so good to be with you here in the building. I want to welcome all of our guests here. Welcome our guests online. Our church family joining us online is, it, listen, we gather for one reason, and that is to come to the foot of the cross and to worship Jesus, to make his name famous. That's why we gather is, is, to, do the, is to do that one thing. And so one of the things I want to share with you is we had a great day yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. The uh, extravaganza, it was an excellent time. I'll stick to one. Um, but it was a great it was a great day yesterday. Kim and Chrissy and the whole Egg Hunt team, we have so much to be thankful for. So can we celebrate all that God did yesterday? Hundreds of kids in the, what was it, the five-way the five way season yesterday seemed to be, right? Um, but all through that, we had a church that stood faithful to the mission to love these kids. And we saw God show us favor in all these kids and their families. So... Thanks be to God. It was a great day. Um, listen, yeah, it's good to celebrate, isn't it? Um, I want to share with you that we have coming up uh, Good Friday this week, and so I encourage you to, uh, to, 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 you know, to make it here and to be here and to celebrate and to, to focus in on the cross. You know, it's going to be a night of communion. It's going to be a night of worship, and as we hear from the Word, we're gonna we're gonna talk about what Jesus did for us on the cross and to reflect on that. And then Saturday at 6 p.m. and then 9.30 and 11 on Sunday, we are going to celebrate our risen Savior, which we do every day. But it's important, church, that we focus in on these things. It is important that we continue to focus in on what Jesus did for us at the cross. You know, we look forward to that day when mercy never ends, right? And so let's continue to just focus on what is so critical and important to us as Christians. So come on Good Friday, be here at 7 o'clock, and then Saturday at 6 p.m., and then Sunday at 9, 30, 11. And I want to encourage you, as Ray, Ray's going to come by and start handing these out, but I want you guys to take one of these, and I want to share a story, uh, and invite somebody to join you. Um, on, there's Good Friday information as well as Easter Saturday and Sunday, okay? I want to encourage you to do this because, listen, um, God brought us to a new neighborhood about three years ago, and we had neighbors that we were looking to just build a relationship with, and I want to encourage you. Um, I, I just was like, all right, this is a great way. You know, one of my neighbors was outside working on his motorcycle, and I went over, and I said, hey, I'm Luke. And he said, oh, for the longest time, no one introduced themselves at this house for like eight years, and so we referred to them as Jim and Mary Newhouse. So he goes... And he told me this uh, just, just this last year. He said, it's cool that we know our neighbors and we, and we know they love us. And so I want to encourage you that um, they came. And uh, this, is, this is their church home now. And so I'm just going to encourage you that th- there's power, not in this piece of paper, but there's power in the personal invite. So church, let's, let's go at it. So grab one, grab two. There's plenty in the lobby as Ray comes by. Grab one, you know, grab a handful. Uh, but to just pray about who's the one, who's the two, who's the three that you can go after and personally invite and have them join you and sit with you and be a part of this experience that we will experience on Good Friday and Easter Sunday and Easter this weekend. God's going to do the powerful work, and so I want to encourage you in that. I also want to just just thank you, church, for your faithfulness and giving, giving online through the mail and the offering boxes on the wall. Uh, our church is continuing to grow as we walk towards following Jesus, right? As we continue to follow Jesus and we ask him to change our lives, he's changing us and how, you know, he gifts us, he gives us, and we receive what he gives us. And then in turn, as we worship him, we give, we give, we give our gifts. And so thank you, church, for giving. Thank you for being faithful to the mission of Crossroads, which is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. God is using us and changing us and making us more into his son, Jesus. So we're looking forward to what he's going to teach us this morning as we open up the word of God. Would you pray with me as we continue on? 
Lord, uh, we're, we're knowing um, just, just the song that we just sang, God, that there, there is a day that we look forward to um, when mercy, your mercies, God, the mercies are never going to end. We read about in your word that your mercy is new every single day. And Lord, I pray that today somebody would meet you for the first time. Lord, that somebody who just walked in these doors, somebody's watching online, or maybe we've been here for a while and all of a sudden today it clicks. Wow, you really do love us that much. Lord, we were on your mind when you went to the cross. And Lord, as we continue on just celebrating what you, the beginning of what today marks, Lord, Lord, this journey uh, to, for you for the cross to pay for our sins and then to rise again three days later. And now you are the reigning king who is alive and in control of all things. Lord, we, we, we surrender to you this morning, right now. Lord, be with us as we continue on this journey of life. And I pray that every day we'd start off on our knees before the cross, asking you for help. So, Lord, be with us as we continue on this morning. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
large crowd that had come to the Passover festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Praise God! God bless him who comes in the name of the Lord. God bless the King of Israel. Jesus found a donkey and rode on it, just as the scripture says. Do not be afraid, city of Zion. Here comes your king, riding on a young donkey. His disciples did not understand this at the time. But when Jesus had been raised to glory, they remembered that the scripture said this about him, and that they had done this for him. The people who had been with Jesus when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from death had reported what had happened. That was why the crowd met him, because they heard he had performed this miracle. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, we are not succeeding at all. Look, the whole world is following him. Could you imagine have been in, have, having been in that crowd on the Palm Sunday when it actually happened? Like you've celebrated Palm Sunday growing up as a kid and you've known about Palm Sunday all of your life. But man, when that happened, it was the Palm Sunday. It was the day it happened, the actual history of it happening. And, you know, as we're marching through the Easter season, we've been on this this. Uh, series the 24 last 24 hours of the life of jesus but i thought it'd be important being on palm sunday to go back and catch palm sunday and then today we're going to wrap up our series on the last 24 hours i'm going to show you about the significance of palm sunday and the contrast of palm sunday like what happened between the day when they're chanting hosanna hosanna when they're waving their palm branches what happened between that sunday and good friday they went from the high to the low within just a few days. And so what, what was happening there? John chapter 12, verse 12 through 17 is the video that you just watched, dramatized, which, by the way, that's from the movie called The Jesus Film Project. If, uh, if you go and uh, you can look that up online, you see the Jesus film. They have uh, made that movie that they take into tribes. They go out in all kind of places and it's translated in all kind of languages. And they show people the life of Christ and they show them how the people come to Jesus. And, and, and even watching that this morning, it kind of pulls you into it, doesn't it? It says, man, I, I, I want to know more. And so as you look at this this morning, I'm going to go through the scripture here. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. A great multitude had come to the feast. Remember, it was for Passover. So they were converging on the town. There were thousands upon thousands of people on this little town of Jerusalem. Um, it, it was just overwhelming. It was swelling. And when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches, branches of palm trees, and they went out to meet him. And they cried, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! That, that word Hosanna means save now. 
saved. Now, we just sang that in a song, and it just sounds so wonderful, like Hosanna to the Lord. Well, there is a praise element to it, but also has the, the meaning is saved now. So whenever they're chanting Hosanna, Hosanna they're, they're chanting save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had, heard, uh, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. You know, what was happening was, when this history was actually happening, this was a prophecy. Uh, they're quoting here, it says, is, as it is written. When you see the word as it is written in the New Testament, it means that is ri- as it is written in the Old Testament. As you see in the, in the scriptures already. So he was saying this was the fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. Like this was foretold that their king would come riding on a donkey. So whenever this moment was happening, the only problem was the disciples didn't catch it at the moment it was happening. Like, it would, it would be like the same anticipation. Here's, here's what was happening in that day. Everything was so bright for the people at that moment. I want you to catch that. It was so bright for those people at that moment, but they were missing what was happening. And so the disciples, they didn't catch it till after it was done. And it was after the cross. It was after he rose again that they made sense of all these things. Verse 17, the people who had heard about Lazarus coming, you know, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. All these people, they took their palm branches, the the palm branches that they had set up for their little lean-tos. We've talked about this in the last few weeks, that as uh, the people would converge upon this little town of Jerusalem, there wouldn't be enough lodging, so people would make makeshift tents, if you will. They had all these palm branches and and putting these little lean-tos type together, like a family camping trip. For their holiday experience. So they just grabbed these, these palm branches and they waved them. It was a sign, it was a high moment. It was a bright moment for the people. On Palm Sunday, everything seemed bright. Now that's the first point in your notes there today. On Palm Sunday, everything seemed bright. And I want you to catch this because it was a moment when everybody thought, hey, this is our king is coming. We look back, we see this was the fulfillment of prophecy. But for that crowd that was there, they're waving. They're saying, save now, save now, Hosanna, that blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They had an anticipation that God was going to come and set up his kingship. That those verses in the Old Testament where it says to his, uh, to the, to, of his throne, there will be no end. You know how we quote that at Christmas time? This is the baby born king. Well, that's what they were anticipating. This is the, this is our Messiah. This is the one who's going to save now. He's going to do what we want, when we want, and he's going to do it right now. And he's going to take the throne. They didn't understand the suffering. They didn't understand the humility, but they said, he's our king. And so they were living with that same anticipation. You know, I'm living with anticipation today of the Lord's return. I'm excited for that, aren't you? 
the Bible tells us that one day Jesus is going to come back again and he will call up into the clouds all those that have trusted him. And uh, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will, will be gathered up. And so I am living with that anticipation. As I watch the events that are happening in our world today, you know what? I look at it and I say, man, it's coming. It's coming. When I do a funeral, sometimes I'll do this at a funeral. I'll say, I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker, right? Because, and for some of you that are too young, you don't know, that's just what they used to call the funeral director, the undertaker, Right? I'm looking for the upper taker because God is going to call us up. I see that in our lifetime. I'm living with that anticipation. And man, sometimes it gets a little, we get a little crazy, don't we? We say, oh, look at the news. Did you see what's happening in Israel? Did you see what's happening here? The end is coming. I'm like, I don't know when it's coming. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm waiting for that. The people on Palm Sunday, they knew that the promises of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would be seated in Jerusalem and that to his throne there would be no end. So they're waving these palm branches, save now, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We can't believe it. We're the generation that gets to experience this. We're going to see this. And on Palm Sunday, everything seemed so bright. But look what John shows us. Actually, Luke. Look what Luke shows us over in 19. Luke 19, verse 41. You know, uh, when, you, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're getting different perspectives. If four of us went to a pirate's game, we would all come back and tell you the same thing. They lost. Okay, But some of you would highlight the second inning. You would say, man, there was a few good plays in the second inning. Some of you would highlight the eighth inning. I would highlight the fireworks after the game. Okay, And you would get this whole story of how the game went. That's what happens when you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're getting different perspectives. You're getting different pieces of the story. And as you put it all together. So Luke on Palm Sunday tells us that Now, as Jesus drew near, he saw the city and he cried over it. He wept over it. This is a bright day. Save now. Save now. What is Jesus crying for? He wept over it. And look what he says. Verse 42. If you had only known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. If you only knew the things that would make for your peace. You think the peace... That you're looking for is if I take king and Rome is out of your hair and economics get better and politics change and everything goes your way and there's no more oppression. That's what you think is save now. That's what you think. But if you only understand that that would be a very temporary peace. If you only understood who I really am here, you don't understand what is really going on here. And so he's crying for the city. If you only stood the things, understood the things that would make for you peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come when your enemies will build up an embankment around you. Surround you and close you in on every side. They will level you. I love that. Verse 44, they will level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave you in one, uh, leave you in one stone on another because you did not know the time of your visitation. You know what? 
Jesus is saying here, he's referring to an event that's going to happen in 70 A.D. In 70 A.D., a little bit future time there, 70 A.D., the nation of Israel would fall. Jerusalem falls. It's taken over. I mean, it's totally desolate. It's destroyed. And like the, 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 the nation goes dark. It's like it's over. It's bleak. And all hope seems to be lost. And you go look on the timetable. Man, it was lost until 1948 when Israel became a state again. Did you notice that? God keeps his promises, doesn't he? But when Jesus was crying on that day, I believe that he was looking at this. And not only was he crying because he knew about the desolation that was to come, but he knew about the darkness of the people's hearts. Jesus was crying for the darkness of the people. He understood that they were living in darkness. And, you know, I believe that today we still have this issue of living in darkness. Like it's uh, it, it, the world, you know, many times uh, we we say this, that we, that the world is dark out there, isn't it? It's a dark world. But I want you to think about spiritual darkness. What is spiritual darkness? Spiritual darkness is any time that you center your life around anything but God. I want you to take, for example, in the Bible, whenever we see darkness, darkness has always been uh, something that we understand in the Bible for spiritual darkness. And when you think of God, you see a lot of reference to the sun. You see him as, 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 as light. You see Jesus as the light of the world. You see the sun. And so when you think of the sun in the, in the Bible, you think of the light that comes from God. And I want you to think about our solar system here today because we have a solar system, right? We're on planet Earth, and our Earth revolves around the sun. And as long as we revolve around the sun, we get all the joy of the sun, Right? Unless you live in Pittsburgh and you come up on an egg hunt, right? Uh, listen, that, yesterday was so much fun. We had hail. We had rain. We had snow. We had sleet. And then we had sun for 15 minutes. And at that moment, in that 15 minutes, I was there for that 15 minutes. Like... You said this, you went, I think I'm going to live. I think I can handle this. Why? Because you need the sun to live. And if you don't have the sun, you can't make it. The sun provides warmth. The sun provides a whole lot. Well, you know what happens in our life? We are spiritually dark. If this is the sun and I take my life and I don't revolve around it. What would happen if the earth decided to revolve around the moon? It just doesn't work. Like, we don't base too much of anything on the moon. I know there's a lunar calendar out there, but we don't really do too much with that, do we? Like, if the, if the earth now became going this way around the, the moon, there's going to be all kind of problems. And this is what happens in our life. So... We are we mean well, and I think sometimes we think things are bright when they're really dark. I mean, they're really dark. On this day, whenever it's Palm Sunday and they're chanting, save now, save now, Jesus is crying because he realizes it's dark. Like, it's not as bright as the people think. It is dark. There's desolation coming, but they are spiritually dark. It says that they're blinded. They're spiritually dark. You know, when you think about darkness, there's a few things that darkness will do, isn't it? 
Uh, first of all, darkness makes, makes you disoriented. You become disoriented. It leads to disorientation. Uh, whenever somebody's uh, living, uh, you know, when it's too dark, you just kind of stumble around. You get up in the middle of the night. You had a power failure. You can't see. Man, it is really dark. When the power goes out on our street, it's really dark. But, man, there's other neighborhoods that have light. You can still see it. So we don't experience total darkness around here too much. I remember living up in Scroon Lake, New York, going to Word of Life Bible Institute. And as I would live up there, I used to love to just go out at nighttime because it was so beautiful out there. There was no street lights, And, man, I'd lay out and I'd look at the stars and I said, I never knew there were that many stars. Like, man, I lived in the city. You know, I thought the street light was the moon. You're out there, and it was like, it was beautiful. You could see it, but it was so dark. I remember walking in the woods up there in the nighttime. It was pretty dark. I was reading about somebody else that had a, had a real experience down in the, in the true darkness. This guy was named Ernest Shackleton. You may have heard of him. He, uh, back in 1914, he was a British explorer, and he took a ship to Antarctica. It was named the Endurance. Uh, make a long story short, he went on a trip, and they ran into problems, and the ship had all kind of problems. And he's going to Antarctica, and uh, and they end up. It's a, his the, the biography comes out. It's an incredible biography. Talks about the worst things that they faced. That you know they faced uh, uh, famine, they faced cold temperatures, they faced isolation, they faced so many things. But the hardest thing that they faced was the darkness. He says, "In all the world, there's no desolation more complete than the polar night." Like that darkness. Can you imagine getting up? Because here's what happens. In the dark, you can't see even yourself. And here's what happens. They face darkness because in Antarctica, if you go back and you look at this, at the South Pole, in May, the sun goes down and it doesn't come back up till July. Could you imagine that? I know you think we're close to that here. But could you imagine that? Like the sun goes down. So this guy, he's living out there. He's trying to live. He's trying to just just survive. It's an incredible story of survival. But what happens is the darkness leads to disorientation. And you're totally disoriented whenever you're out there. You, you can't find anything. You can't find your way. And here's what happens if we're not careful. When we revolve our life around the wrong thing, if we do not have the correct center of life, then we are living in darkness. You see, take the earth away from the sun, you're living in darkness. Take your life away from God, and you're living in darkness. But here's what many people do. Many people say they believe in God. Many people will say, I'm a, a follower of Jesus even. But they center their life around something different. And they'll say, well, I've got my career, and you know, I have to do really well in my career. And this career has got to do super good. And if I don't do well, then I've got a problem. And so what they'll do is they'll, they'll take and they'll center their life around their career. And listen, it's easy to do because our career, we spend many, many hours at your career. I mean, you, you want to do well, right? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do well, but I'm saying that if I center my whole life around this, you see, what I've done is I've gotten my value from how good my career went. Many people will do this with family. You can take your family and say, hey, listen, if my family, as long as my family's happy, as long as things are going good, man, I'm okay. 
And what we do is we center ourselves around here. And listen, family's good. We should do a well job, right? We should take care of our family. I want to be the best dad, best husband that I can be. But man, listen, if I go around there and all of a sudden things aren't happy, what happens? I, I've got a false sense of reality. I'm living in darkness. What happens when the kids aren't happy? It happens, doesn't it? Maybe I should say, what happens when they are happy? Here's what happens. You go through life, and if I put all my eggs in this, and I make this that I have to have this in order to survive, what I have done is I have put myself in a place of disaster. I place myself in something where I'm getting my identity from something that is not from God, and God says, listen, you need me. You need the light. You're disoriented. So here's what we do. We end up walking around in a false sense of reality. Well, if, ever, if everybody thinks I did good on my job today, I'm okay. If, uh, as long as nobody criticized me, I'm all right. Uh, criticism is part of life. It's okay to have criticism. And it's okay to hurt from criticism. But when the criticism becomes the ultimate, you're devastated because somebody criticized you. Man, your life is, you're in darkness. You're revolving around something that's not God. And you're facing something else. So your face is always looking at this other solar system. You're you're in a different system. You're saying, okay, God says, I want you to revolve around me. I want you to come and have your security from me. What if your family leaves you? It would be devastating. But my life's going to be revolving around God, not my family. What if your career, what if you lost your job tomorrow? You're, you're, you're going to be okay because your life is revolving around God, not your job. What if you lost your health? Many people lose their health. I can't make it on how I feel. I can't make it on what I'm getting. I can't get it on save now. You see, that's what happened on Palm Sunday. They wanted saved now, but they were really living in darkness because they were revolving around something that wasn't God. It leads to disorientation. The next thing it leads to is disintegration. Man, darkness leads to disintegration. Whenever you put something in the dark, it just doesn't live. You know, if you grow plants, you've got to have light. If there's no light, they're not going to grow. It's not going to happen. You've got, to, you've got to provide light. There's a, a couple guys in our church that like to start their tomato seeds out. They, they plant them from seeds. Uh, they'll go buy the burpee seeds, you know, a dollar, and they'll get 100 seeds. And these guys go and they plant them. They put them in their egg cartons in their basement, and they put on light. And they grow them in February when it's cold. They get this thing going because if you don't have light, it will die. And you know what happens in spiritual darkness? We revolve our life around something that is not the light. We will spiritually die. You'll be frustrated all the time. You'll always be angry, upset. You'll be hurt because you're getting your value from not the light. But when you come back and you understand who the light is and what he brings to you, and and not only does he bring you eternal life, but he brings you freedom from darkness in this world. Like you don't have to live in disintegration and nor do you have to live in isolation. You see, darkness leads to isolation. And as you, as you look at this, man, it's so easy for us to slide into this. And I have found that we have a false sense of reality when we're living in darkness. Many times our eyes adjust to it. Like if you're out in the dark for very long at nighttime, 
you kind of almost adjust to it a little bit and you begin to think that that's normal. And so pretty soon you begin to think it's normal that, okay, I did good at work today, so everybody's happy with me. Oh, I'm okay. And then a month later, somebody comes up and criticizes you. Man, you know what? I, I want to be the best that I can be up here. I want to give it all for you guys, right? And some days, I, I'm able to do that. Some days, it's 98%. But I want to be 150 every week. And if I let my life revolve around what I can do up here, I have put what I can do to be my God. And then somebody criticizes you. Maybe I'm standing at the door. Somebody comes up and says, hey, Pastor Ken, did you know you forgot this? And I'm like, yeah, thank you. I appreciate your helping me. And then from the hours of two to five, you know what I'm thinking about? Oh, my goodness. Am I okay? Am I no good? You see, if I go down that path, who's God? Me or God? Is it okay if I forget things every now and then? You bet. Is it okay if I fell? I mean, not literally off the stage. It's happened almost a few times. It's okay. Same for you. You live in darkness when you're a slave to your performance. Man, I tell you, listen, I don't have to perform. I am loved by God. He is the center of my life. And I want to take you to that this morning. Because when he's the center of your life, it doesn't matter who, what, what anybody says, what anybody else does. He has got to be the center of your life. And he's the one where you're getting your value. He's the one who's giving you. He's turned the lights on in your life. Not your wife, not your kids, not your job, not your neighbor, not popular opinion, not anything, not the good career, not lots of money. Because here's what happens. If we get what we really, really want, it never turns out good, does it? It never turns out good. You say, man, I just, I want to be rich. I hope I get all this money. Then when you get there and you get rich, you get all this money. You say, wait a minute, I wasted all these years dreaming for this. And now I'm here and I want more. And like, this was wonderful, but see, that's what happens when God's not the center. And listen, life is like that. Life just doesn't fulfill. Because anything centered around anything else but God is empty. It's, it, 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 it leads to, it leads to uh, isolation. You become isolated. So now whenever all these things happen, you're isolated. For Jesus, I want you to understand this. Jesus had never sinned, but yet he experienced darkness. And it went totally dark for him on the cross. It went totally dark for Jesus on the cross. I mean, it went totally dark. It starts out in Luke 22:53. Jesus says here, when I was with you, this is at the betrayal, and they're seizing him. It says, when I was with you daily in the temple, did you not try to seize me? But this is your hour in the power of darkness. He says, this is your hour. This is the power of darkness. This happened at night. But he notices the darkness. This is your spiritual darkness. You don't have a clue. You don't totally get what's going on here. This is your darkness. 
And then on the cross, not only did he go through and, 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 and have all his trials at night, not only did he experience that, but look what happens on the cross. Last week we looked at how he was crucified. They put him on the cross at nine in the morning, and today we're picking up Mark chapter 15, verse 33. Now when the sixth hour had come, that's noon, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, from noon to about three. There was darkness over the whole land. Jesus, the Son of God, is hanging on the cross. He's paying for your sin. He's paying for my sin. The Scriptures tell us in, 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 in Corinthians that he who knew no sin became sin for us. Isaiah said that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Man, on that day on the cross, your sin, my sin, the sin of every human that ever lived was laid upon Jesus Christ on that day, and it went dark. For three hours, it's dark. And, you know, some people said, well, you know, that was a solar eclipse and this and that. I've tried to see all the explanations. I can tell you this. There was a supernatural act of God. Because it was a dark moment. And what was happening here? Let me just share this with you here. Isaiah 13 verses 9 and 10 says this. See the day of the Lord is coming. A cruel day with wrath and fierce anger. To make the land, and, to make the land desolate and destroy sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. When Jesus died on the cross, what was happening at this point? It went dark. He, he is the, the, the payment for your sin. And God says that the day of the Lord is coming. It's a cruel day. There will, the sun won't shine. The moon won't illuminate. It's going to be dark. And what happened during this three-hour window? Jesus is on the cross. It's physical darkness. But then he now yells out, verse 34, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which translated means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Man, this is the end. He's paying for your sin. And as he's paying for your sin, it's dark. And what he's experiencing is the darkness of our sin upon him. He's experiencing judgment day. The judgment day that you and I deserve was upon Jesus on that day. Isaiah prophesied it. Isaiah 13, 9. Man, this is the day it's coming. The sun won't take care of it. The moon won't take care of it. It's going to be dark. And Jesus on that cross, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what is happening is he's going through spiritual darkness at that point. He's being separated from the Father. And for that moment right there, Jesus got to experience a little bit of the darkness that you and I have experienced. Jesus paid the price. It was the judgment came. Your judgment came down upon the cross on Jesus Christ. And for every sin you've ever committed and for every sin that you ever will commit, Jesus took it and he paid it that day. And in the darkness on the cross, it's dark over the land. Listen, the sun is normally up. It, normally you can see that the sun's behind the clouds. It says that it was dark for three hours. These people are, are, they are really, 
Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy that this is happening. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he is calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled the sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he breathed his last. And Jesus experiences the darkness. And Jesus is taking your judgment and your judgment day was on the cross. Jesus took your judgment day and transferred it to the cross. And he put the substitute sacrifice up there. The sacrifice, your sacrifice, he did that for you. He said, I will take this sacrifice. God the Father, whenever it was time for God the Son to go to earth. I want you to imagine this. When Adam and Eve sinned, he said, I will make a way. I'm telling you, there's bad news. The bad news is that your sin separates you. Your sin brings forth death. death. But God said, I'm going to do more. I'm going to redeem you. And from the very book of Genesis, he made a promise. We see all this. Listen, everything that happened was to be was fulfilled as it was written. We see it foretold over and over and over again. And Jesus cries out his last breath. And when he did that, he paid the price for your sin. But man, if he didn't rise from the dead, we wouldn't be here, would we? Man, I will never tell you that Jesus died without telling you that he rose again. Amen? Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate that. You better be getting ready for that. We're having church next week. (laughs) But I want you to know, Jesus paid the price for your sin. He validated it when he rose from the grave. That seal is there for you. You no longer have to live in darkness. Look what happens. He says, Verse 38, the veil of the temple at this moment was torn in two from top to bottom. The Jewish temple. Wow. So when the centurion who stood opposite of him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. There were also women looking from on afar, among who were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James uh, the last, and, J- and Jose and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Man, I tell you what, this was a dark moment for, for our Savior as he paid the price for your sin. But I want to let you know today that your sin has been paid in full, and God has broken the darkness. Jesus breaks the darkness. Now catch that with me. Would you say that with me? Jesus breaks the darkness. You don't have to live getting your value from what your wife says about you. Thank you, Lord. From what you, I'm just kidding. My wife is very kind to me. From what your job says about you. And even worse, what you say about you. Because many of us, we revolve around us. And I want to feel good as long as I determine what feel good means. God says, no, 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 no. You're living in darkness. You're stumbling around. You have an altered sense of reality. You don't even know yourself. 
You think you're happy if everything's going good. You think you're happy if it's safe now. You've missed it. I came to free you from something much bigger. Folks, many of us pray, God, I need this now. And as soon as we get it, we think everything's okay. God wants to free you from something bigger. Listen, if God just made you rich and filled your bank account, do you realize you're still in darkness and you're totally messed up? Like that's if he made you healthy, wealthy and wise, like yeah, that's pretty cool, but that's you're still living in darkness. That's why he didn't take over Rome at that moment, because he had to go to the cross, he had to lay down and he had to go through the darkness. He felt the weight of your sin, he paid for your sin on the cross, and he breaks the darkness. I want to show you two ways that he broke the darkness. Look here in the in the scriptures here. Uh two verses there. Verse we'll put it up there, the next verse there. There you are. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It says that right after he died, right as he died, the veil was torn in top to bottom. Now, listen, when you think of a curtain, and I think of a curtain, we think like something that goes on the window, right? Something that's pretty flimsy, blows around in the wind. That's not what this was. It was in the temple. And what it did was it separated the rest of the temple from a place called the Holy of Holies. And this was not just a little flimsy curtain. It was almost like a wall. And what it did was it separated the the area out here from the Holy of Holies. And what would happen is the priest would go back in there behind the Holy of Holies once a year. And he, the high priest, it was the holiest man of Israel. And he was still a flawed man. But he still needed a Savior. Hey, but God chose him. He said, this is the holiest man. I want him to come into the holiest area area and make the sacrifice and atone for the sins of the nation of Israel. And so every year the priest would go in there. As a matter of fact, everybody was afraid if he would come out. There were bells on the bottom of the priest's garment. Uh, many people believe that those bells were to know if he was still moving back there. Because if he had died, how would they get him out? It was the Holy of Holies. There was even even uh, uh, other thoughts on that whole deal. But listen, it was like, man, this, this was the Holy of Holies. So he's going in. And what was behind that curtain was the Shekinah glory of God. It was the light. And God says, listen, I tore the temple. Notice how was the temple curtain torn. It was torn from top to bottom. Man did not do this from bottom to top. God said, I'm tearing it. I'm coming to you. And now you don't need anybody to go into the Shekinah glory. All may come into the Shekinah glory. Wow. Now, that's why we exist here at Crossroads. Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall have eternal life. Not whoever's good enough to get back there. Whosoever. And God breaks it. And let me tell you this. Not only at that point, it was the, they, would think, they were thinking more of only Jews. Let, let me show you what Mark tells us here. Mark says in the very next verse, verse 39. He says, so when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. The book of Mark, the very first verse in the book of Mark 
and we looked at this a year ago when we started that series, said this, I'm writing this so that you may know that this is the Son of God. Mark shows us the first person to actually truly declare it was not a disciple, was not another Jew, but was a Roman, a centurion who was hard-hearted. You know what the centurion did? He saw people die daily. He saw this Roman crucifixion. He saw it up there over and over and over. He saw criminal after criminal. And you know what? When Jesus died, Jesus cried out. Look, he says, so when he stood there and he saw, he cried out like this. He didn't cry out and say, my head, my head. My hands, my hands, oh! He cried out and said, my God, my God. It was a term of endearment to his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? And he breathes his last. And a Roman centurion says, something different about that guy. He must be the Son of God. Truly, He is the Son of God. And you know what happens? It pierced the darkness. And I want to say this to you today. If you will look at the cross with me this morning, consider His cry that He took the darkness for you, He will pierce the darkness of your life. You don't have to live revolving around something that is going to let you down. It's going to leave you stumbling. It's going to leave you in isolation. It's going to leave you in desolation. That's why he died. The price has been paid in full. Amen? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to trust the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus came to pay the price for your sin So that you don't have to live in darkness. And I think this morning there's many people that call themselves believers that are living in darkness. Like like we think that, because I say I believe in God, but maybe you've been revolving your life around your job, your family. If it's all going well. And it just doesn't fulfill. And maybe you've had a sense, a false sense of reality and you feel good or you feel bad. God says, listen, I'm going to do something bigger than save now. I'm going to save you from darkness. I'm going to save your eternal life as well. Uh, this morning I would like to ask you, first of all, if you've not yet opened your heart to Jesus, maybe this is the day. Many people in our church are going through a process. They're they're opening their heart slowly to the Lord. God is slowly revealing himself to them, and they're saying, okay, I'm ready. And maybe if that's today, if you say, God, you've spoken to me today. This is my moment. I'm ready to trust you. I want you to accept the sacrifice of what he did on the cross. So if that's you, in the quietness of this hour, would you just... Call upon the name of the Lord and trust him that he died on the cross and he paid for your sin. He says, whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So whether you're watching online or you're here in the building, if that's you, I'd like to invite you to pray and trust Jesus and make it personal today. Just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I accept your sacrifice to pay for my sin to free me from darkness. God, thank you for rising again from the dead. And I trust you with my life right now. And I ask that you'll help me. Help me to walk in your light. And for others this morning, maybe you've been following God for some time, but maybe you've slipped off a little bit into getting your value system from everything but God. Maybe you're getting your value from your job or from your relationships or from anything else but God. God says, you do that, it's darkness, it's desolation, it's disintegration. Jesus died so you don't have to live in darkness. He took the darkness for you. And he's turned on the lights. So I want to ask you today, maybe your prayer as a believer is this. God, I come and I confess that I've been praying saved now. And I need you to turn the lights on. I want to center my life around you more than what you can do. I want to center my life around you, God. Father, be with each person here, Lord, as we all struggle with these things. Lord, we spiritual darkness, we're spiritually dark in the world that we live in. But, God, we need you. You came to this earth. You paid for our sin. You rose again. And I thank you so much for what you've done here, God. I know in this room and online you just opened up people's hearts. Many people have just trusted you right now. God, thanks be to you for what you've done in somebody's heart. And God, I pray for each person as we walk this journey, as we bring people to you, Lord. Uh, I just pray you help us to center our life around you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing this closing song. It's give thanks. I give thanks for all you've done. Let's sing it with our hearts to the Lord and give thanks for the sacrifice that he has done for us. i